When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome everyone to Rock'em Nation Podcast. This is a brand new episode, brand new season, brand new intro music. That was the Beat Nuts. Uh, for those unaware, I believe that was 1994. And uh, Props Over Here is the name of the track. If you want to look it up, uh, download it, listen to it, stream it, whatever you want to do. Uh, that's who we're going to rock with for the next next full season. Uh, season 6. Uh, episode one, and uh, it's all about your Missouri Tigers. I'm your host, Sam Snelling, with me from the plains of Indiana, Matthew J. Harris. Matt, how are you? Uh, I'm fine. It was a nice respite that we took for a couple of weeks. And while we were away, apparently everyone decided to chop lists and commit um, and bestow us with enough material to talk about as we open season six. So praise be to the recruiting gods for uh, giving us material. Well, we we did kind of think that there might be some uh, some movement on uh, one of the the top remaining targets as far as maybe setting a, uh, a you know a, a date for a visit um, something along those lines uh, that has still not been announced whether or not it's been coordinated or not uh, it would be um, I guess unbeknownst to us uh, but Chris Parker I think is uh, the guy that. Everyone sort of is is eyeing, and and we've been eyeing as as somebody who is probably the the you know the top uh, uncommitted guard that Missouri is hot on the trails after, um, and so I guess Matt, first of all, why don't you tell us a little bit a little bit about uh, Mr. Parker? 
uh, out of Quincy, Florida. He's a six foot, 670 pound combo guard. Plays at a small, uh, I think, charter school there called Crossroads Academy. Uh, Quincy's about 30 minutes to the west of uh, Tallahassee. So just as you start to get into the panhandle of Florida, uh, had been recruited, obviously, by Charlton Young for a long, long time. Uh, you know, he and, uh, you know, Anthony R. Robinson II are probably two guys that have, there's been a longstanding relationship with back when uh, CY was hired and you went and looked at on three's recruiting prediction. It uh, gave overwhelming odds to uh, Florida State to land Parker. Um, A guy who a lot of people thought a year ago might push for five-star status, really, really high-level athlete, long, rangy, great burst. You know, you look at him and you just think, yeah, that that looks like a Florida State guard. Um, Skinny, but not like, you know, lean, but not skinny. You know, he's muscular, but he can still take some weight. Um, Really, really good first and second jump. the question for him is going to be, can he put all those tools together efficiently? Uh, he can create pull-ups. He can get to jumpers. He can get to the rim. But the the knock on uh, Parker has always sort of been, is he making the right decisions? Is his shot selection good enough? You know, he's a guy who can create a little bit for you, you know, off a ball reversal. But is he moving the ball to the right spot? So he was kind of a guy who's in that 40 to 60 range in the composite, and he's not really moved from there. And... You know, he's a guy that I think sort of fits, you know, with what we've talked about several times, which is the physical template is there. And this staff, Dennis Gates and, and you know, CY, when they're at Florida State, this is what they made their bones on, finding guards who were like 6'6 to 6'9, who were long and sort of agile and getting them in the gym and polishing up their skill set. Um, Parker's listed as a combo guard, but I think you could slot him at any one of the three guard spots, depending you know, I don't think you'd want him running the point for a long stretch, but he can do it. You know, he can play as a wing defensively. Um, he can spot up and space out if he needs to, but I really feel like he's kind of that, you know, new combo guard that we see. Just a bigger physical profile to do that um, would be a guy that I don't know if you, you know, say year one, he's going to come in and, you know, make a dent, but he's a guy that, you know, if you get him on campus, he definitely fits with kind of, I think, the, the physical profile that this staff is trying to move towards. Yeah, so I think, I can't remember if we talked about him in the last podcast, but it was certainly like right around then. Um, and I uh, wrote about him a little bit. It seems to be that the momentum is there on Missouri's side. Uh, you know, when you look at like the other schools have been recruiting him, it all kind of looks like they've taken some level of prospect uh, at that sort of combo guard position. Um, doesn't necessarily mean that like, you know, schools won't take two because, you know, I don't, I don't think you can ever have enough guys who can handle the ball, nope. particularly, you know, six, six athletes, um, you know, and, and what's, what's funny is, you know, in our, uh, our Slack channel, you know, we constantly refer to Parker and for the longest time it was Parker Friedrichson. Um, and now it's sort of pivoted to, you know, Parker being the last name and that's Chris Parker. Uh, so we could pretty much like stay consistent with, you know, being excited about a prospect with the name Parker. Uh, but it does look like Friedrichsen is at least uh, moving elsewhere. Yeah, we, we'll, we'll get to the to the traffic and the traffic report in a minute, for lack of a better term. Uh, you know, we, I think we heard probably around the beginning of August that this was looking like a possibility here. Um, Parker, 
you know, had moved grassroots teams at the end, you know, midway through the July period, he left team breakdown, which plays on the Under Armour circuit to go play at Peach Jam with Knight Riders, which is a Miami based program, real close connections to CY again. Um, and put together a couple of nice games. Um, CY was there for a couple of them. We were told that like Gates was there for one, but I maybe the game that he was at wasn't one that I was able to to stream in. But um, a guy who had some stretches where he played well. I thought his shot selection was pretty good. Some of the time, except for the back end of the week, he had a couple of clunkers in there. But you can definitely see, you know, what the allure there is. If the kid can put everything together. You know, if he gets a little more arc on the jumper, if, you know, he gets a little bit more strength around the rim and, you know, can, you know, add some finishing craft, you know, to the mix. But, you know, the kid rebounds insanely well for his position and his size and his physical build. You know, he can switch. He can play on the ball, off the ball. You know, he's, you know, despite 6'6", he's got great bounce. So he can even be a guy who you could have, you know, help down and block shots. He's... There's enough tools there to where you go. If we get this kid in a gym and he's committed and he's focused, we can get a really good player out of him. And, you know, I think the one thing that Missouri did with the first two pickups was you can look at Anthony Robinson and Trent Pierce and you can say there's a clear tool with each of those guys. Because Trent Pierce is the jumper with Anthony Robinson. It's, you know, on the ball defense or the ability to make good, simple decisions as a passer. With Parker and maybe kind of the rest of the guys we're going to talk about, you're making more of an upside play based off their physical attributes and their athleticism. So I think that's kind of where the board has pivoted now is, is, you know, you're starting to kind of, I think, do what we talk about, which is get SEC athletes and turn them into a basketball player. So I, I think Parker's kind of in that side of the Venn diagram, for lack of a better term, or back, back, lack of a better description. And certainly, like, if you're talking about, you know, how this team – uh, is is taking shape, uh, and, you know, Gates's first real recruiting class is, you know, like we've talked about how like the, you don't really necessarily want to judge a guy on his first official class because you're not really, in a lot of cases, getting to build the level of relationships. It looks like they're going to benefit, um, at least with with you know Robinson, uh, you know, and Cy kind of having that long standing relationship for for you know for being in Tallahassee. If they end up getting Parker, then it's kind of the same thing. They're really going to benefit. Like this is why you pay, you know, CY as much money as you do is because you know he's got the relationships. He can step in right away and start landing guys. And so, yeah, and if if you kind of look at like the like Parker in addition to like Trent Pierce and Anthony Robinson, like yours, that's a really pretty solid start. Uh, to, top twenty five class recruiting. Yeah, absolutely. It's. I mean, maybe some years it's closer to 30, but for walking in the door and, you know, grabbing a class at, you know, if it's three dudes and, you know, the individual recruiting rank among all of them will probably be better than anything Missouri's had in the last decade. Even if you include the 17 class, you know, on an average per recruit basis, this would be the best class they've had in about a decade. So there's a real possibility here that that there's going to be some quality here, even if it doesn't necessarily result in a, in a really high recruiting ranking and same thing sort of applies to Jordan Butler. Um, that's a guy who, whose older brother, John was recruited by CY to Florida state. And now they're going to try and go back in again. And probably from a positional need is really the best crack they've got at getting a big 
this fall. So presumably, I mean, if they get if they can get Butler on campus and close him, that's three CY guys that you know he will have had more than two years recruiting uh, under his belt with. And that again, that's you know when we talked about after you Conzo's know, dismissal, if you're going to build this program right, you have to invest in guys who can set you up to close. And if they can get Butler and Parker, you know, I don't know what the odds of that are, but if they can do that, that's a top 15 recruiting class, you know, less than six months after those guys came on board. That is a phenomenal, phenomenal, you know, performance for this staff right out of the shoot. And with some really, really nice 2024 prospects set to arrive in October for official visits. So I don't know what my confidence level should be on Butler. You know, there's no visit date set there, but there's an opportunity potentially to really, really close out the 23 cycle with a bang if if they can get Parker and Butler on campus. We'll see if that happens, though. Yeah, that'd be a, a, a four-man class that, you know, we really haven't seen uh, probably since, you know, the average, the average recruit rating would be 0.9528. That's higher than the 2017 class and higher than um, Haith's best class. It would be the best class in at least a decade on a per recruit average, like on an average recruit rating basis. Yeah, I, I, I got to think that, you know, there was probably, you know, maybe like the Ricky Paulding and Arthur Johnson class. Yeah, like, somewhere I'm thinking in there, you got to yeah. go back to like Quinn Snyder to. Yeah, yeah, it, it, would, it would be that long ago. And. So th- there's an opportunity here to to really make a quick dent. And the nice part about this is you will have grabbed a point guard. You will have grabbed a combo guard. You will have grabbed a wing, and you will have grabbed a post. And if you consider Aiden Shaw kind of that modern hybrid 3-4 guy, the last two cycles will have yielded you potentially a starting five that is at least with an average recruiting ring that's probably within the top 75 of the composite. Suddenly, the question of talent has been solved at least in the short term <laughs> yeah but that's what you got to do you know if you're gonna make a push you know there's an opportunity in this league to move up in the next you know 18 months to two years if this staff again hypothetically if they can do this they will have covered a lot of ground really quickly in terms of getting this roster into a position that can take advantage of that window so uh 2023 as it as it you know is wrapping up you know and i guess we should probably maybe run through all the guys who are who you've marked off. Um, so anyone kind of keeping track at home can, you know, disregard. Uh, if you, you know, if you follow, really, if you follow Matt on Twitter, um, I just I have not been doing a lot of Twitter stuff lately. As the football season is ramping up, this is a little behind the scenes. We are trying to add a second beat writer, uh, and and coordinate football coverage. So my, um, you know, my, my attention for Twitter has been, uh, not what it, it usually is, uh, which is probably healthy for you, which is probably healthy. Yeah. Healthy. But if you follow that at Matt J Harris, 85 guy, um, you will probably, uh, be up on, you know, where the board stands. If you don't, and you just listen to the podcast, uh, we're here to walk you through it. So Matt, um, I, we mentioned Parker Friedrichsen earlier. He was a guy that we we sort of focused a lot on in the spring. You and I both like him as a prospect. He's a high level shooter. Uh, he's a wily, skinny kid out of Oklahoma. Um, but 
it does look like Missouri uh, is out of the picture there. Yeah. So since July 23rd, which is when the last pod dropped, eight players holding Missouri offers have committed. There were 30 offers total in this class. There are two Missouri commits. That leaves 28 possible names. Basically, a quarter of those have come off the board in the last couple of weeks. The notable ones among that group are Cam Christie, um, a shooting guard who we talked about on that podcast. Uh, he's out of uh, suburban Chicago. He had talked about visiting Missouri, but for a while, Minnesota was sort of the presumed leader. Well, he committed to Minnesota on July 29th. So, Cam Christie, bye. Uh, hopefully, you have a great career in the Twin Cities. Uh, Garrick Norman, a guy who visited in June, but had seen his stock really rise since then. Um, and even at, as that stock was going up, it was considered a recruiting battle between Texas and Wisconsin. Well, uh, Tom Mizzo decided to just get in there and make Greg Gard's life hell and poach him. Uh, Garrick Norman committed to Michigan State. He's off the board. And then last week, Jordan Burks committed to Ole Miss. He's a guy who had Missouri in his final group. I think of like eight schools, but he'd only taken one official visit, and that was to Ole Miss, and then he announced a commitment date. So anyone can read tea leaves there. He's committed to Ole Miss. So those guys are, are, are out, and those were mostly guys, and those were the only guys that really had direct connections you know, in some form is that they had either visited or said they wanted to visit or, you know, had Missouri in their final group. Meanwhile, last Friday, Parker Friedrichson, who you just said, cut his list out. Um, Mizzou didn't make it. I think the list was kind of surprising. It was Northwestern, Davidson, um, Notre Dame, and Rice. Throughout the spring, it looked like it would have, like, Creighton, Missouri, and uh, I can't remember who else were going to be in that group. They were not. Northwestern and Notre Dame were especially late getting in the picture. I think they had only gotten in since the start of July. Um, I, I get why maybe there wasn't quite the push there. Um, Friedrichson's great shooter. I, I think, you know, as we talked about at length in the last pod, I think shooting is a, is a commodity you can never have too much, too little, you know, too much of, but a lot of questions about where he would fit, you know, physically on the defensive end of the floor. You know, could he really be a combo guard and a creator? You know, so it, he's a stark contrast with Chris Parker, who where you have all the physical tools in the world and you're going to hope to, you know, polish that up and sort of chisel that out. You know, with Park Friedrichson, you're hoping you can put weight on him enough to where he's going to hold up defensively. Um, there were also a couple other there was also Jazz Gardner, um, a big out in California who put Missouri on his list of teams that are in the mix. But he's only taken one official visit and that was to Dayton. He's lined up another one to Texas Tech, but it's been quiet on whether or not he'll make it to Columbia. So until well, he's that a top one hundred kid with like a really odd, yeah, it was uh, funky. There's like there's like St. Mary's was UCSB, St. Mary's, Pepperdine, like local schools. I mean, if you're a there, if you're a SoCal kid, I mean, those make sense for like UCSB and Pepperdine. They're they're in his backyard, and USC's on there, but. Eh, just it, it seems like a, a weird sort of fit there. And also, just given the relationship that CY has with Jordan Butler and the time there, it just seems like if there's anything that's more likely to produce something, I would think it would be with Butler than with Get, with Gardner. But he's still floating out there. So that's a lot of names. It's a lot of information. But realistically, what you need to probably take away from this is there are three names to focus on. We talked about two of them a minute ago. Jordan Butler, Chris Parker, and the third. Uh, East St. Louis, 
wing forward hybrid I, uh, Michaela Bridge he's, he's, he's a yeah he's a forward yeah like I would probably list him as a post <laughs> um look he's I he's a guy that I like I still like I still like guys that are that are tough and physical um I'm not sure he's a guy that plays much on the wing um you know, he's tried he's a little bit with I watched a lot of him this weekend, way too much of him this weekend. With Ramey Jets, he kind of plays more on the wing. He'll initiate some sets. You know, he's the handle has improved markedly, dramatically better than what we saw over the winter with East St. Louis. Much better. But not, not just slapping at the ball and hope it comes back up to him. It, it's under control. <laughs> and like, he's got three moves that he wants to use off the bounce. And the thing is, he's just so physically imposing. And the teams that, no offense to Ramey Jets, Ramey Jets was not seeing the same kind of teams that you would see on a shoe circuit. Where, you know, two dribbles with his right, spin off the defender, and then just hope that that undersized help defender can maybe get in the way as he goes to the rim. But the handles improved a little bit. The bigger deal is he looks comfortable defending on the perimeter. That was, you know, offense is whatever, you know, you and I have said it ad nauseum. Who are you guarding at the next level? The guy was guarding ones, twos, and threes. Was it the same kind of caliber as ones that we see on shoe circuits? Maybe not, but you were seeing him at least in those positions and having to take on that role. So I'm not going to completely say he's typecast into just being an undersized bully ball four. But I think that's probably the most natural spot you you, you could plug him in right now. But it, it, his recruitment's interesting as to as to how that's going to play out. Well, yeah, he was so the last staff was on him. Uh, actually, had him on the early you know, visit with uh, Christian Jones when you know Jones ended up committing, uh, and it really looked like you know that was one of those things that was just it was going to happen at some point. East St. Louis um, kid, tough as hell. Wants to rebound, wants to defend, physically ready to walk Consum in. Martin. <laughs> it was like, you know, slightly undersized. You know, it was like you just, it was like somebody created a math formula for a player. And that was, that was, or an engineer, a set of engineering blueprints. And they came up with Michaela Britch. And it was just a matter, I think, of when, not if um, yeah. Missouri was going to get in. But, yeah, but the it, new staff has gotten involved. They did reoffer him. Um, I think the thing is, is uh, we're trying trying to figure out when he's going to be able to make it onto campus for a visit, because you know it. it so his what, top seven was Mizzou, K State, Ole Miss, VCU, SLU, UIC, Eastern Michigan. He did cut SLU. Yeah, um, and kept UIC and Eastern Michigan along with Ole Miss, Kansas State, Mizzou. Uh, K State does seem like they're making some noise there. Uh, Ole Miss trying to get into it a little bit, it seems like. But the the bigger deal is he's got he has visits set to UIC, Ole Miss, Kansas State, and I believe there is one in Eastern Michigan. I can't recall or not, but UIC there is not the one Valley now. Is that right? Yeah, UIC is in the Valley now. Christian Jones plays at the Valley. I think there's a a staffer is, with. Is with Yaklich up there, who's got yeah, yeah, but he, I think he hired someone with some with some Metro East connections. So 
it makes sense once you, once you have that sort of background as to why UIC might be in the might be in the mix a little bit, but um, he does not have a visit date set to Missouri. And normally in the fall, we always sort of say, look at the football schedule, and that's your OV weekends for basketball. Well, he's committed to go visit other schools on all the dates in September when Mizzou has home football games. Yeah. He will be at Kansas State the day they play Missouri in football. Um, so I can't wait for that faux recruiting narrative to take hold, that um, watching Kansas State potentially beat Missouri in a sport that Rich does not play is what swayed him. I can't wait for that narrative to get trotted out potentially. Um, yeah, I was I was thinking about going to Missouri, but then I went uh, to watch this other team play Missouri in a sport that I don't play, and Missouri lost, and I just that I was so ashamed I couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Um, <laughs> I couldn't pull. I couldn't pull pull the trigger. It's, it's just impossible at that point to consider a school because their football team lost. <sighs> Drink, letting Missouri down, letting Missouri <laughs> down in basketball recruiting, uh, in the Metro East of all places, in the Metro East of all places. Oh, Luther Burden, what did we get for landing you? Um, yeah. Point being, <laughs> I think this is the consensus seems to be this is a race between Missouri and Kansas State, but again, it, you know, if he's not visiting you and he's visiting somebody else. You know, where does he sort of sit on the board there now? This is a theme with all these guys. You know, Rich, Parker, Butler. We're waiting to see dates for when guys may get in. Um, But it, it feels like if you were to just look at the board right now, I, I would think you'd want to take a big in this class. So to me, Butler feels like a guy you would want regardless and then it's really, you know, which, you know, what does the staff sort of value or, or, or want, you know, with that sort of two, three, four position, you know, is, is do they want to take a guy like Parker who, you know, has, you know, both of these guys, both Parker and Mikhail, both Chris and Mikhail have insane physical gifts. They're just different. So I think to me, it's a fun sort of litmus test as to what the staff is going to value in those spots. If all else is equal and you could enrich and Parker both want to come to Columbia, you know, which one do you take? I can't speak to what their thought process is, but it's certainly just interesting to think about what, what choice they would make if it came down to that, you know, Parker or, or, or rich for that, for presumably a final spot in the class. If, if it unfolded that way. Well, I mean, it would seem to me that, you know, the likelihood it was probably come down more to like Butler or rich. Um, yeah. and I think, I, I think clearly like if that's the choice, you're clearly going to take Butler. Yeah. Um, you know, my, my thought process and, and clearly like you think differently. I think differently. And Dennis Gates does as well. Like we all don't want the same things, um, the exact same way. You know, we, we try to pick up and, and determine the type of things that we think Dennis Gates would prefer. But I mean, I think most coaches are going to want, you know, unless you're maybe Conzo Martin, you're going to want two reliable ball handlers on the floor. You're going to want two long rangey wings uh, who hopefully can shoot it consistently. And then you want somebody who can protect the rim. Um, 
you know, and we were kind of talking on the Slack a little bit as I was, you know, updating a lot of the stuff on on Arkansas and kind of looking at Arkansas's roster. Um, and, you know, Muss went out and recruited all kinds of, of transfers uh, to fill into those post positions. Uh, and the reality is, is like, I, I think it's probably going to be a very guard-heavy lineup. He's going to have, you know, two, three guys who can handle the ball. Uh, and I think, you know, our guy Trevin Brazil is going to play a lot of minutes at the five, just like he did at Missouri. Uh, and and that's helpful because he provides you rim protection. Um, Look and space it, space out on offense and let you play. Yeah, yeah. He, like he's he's comfortable moving in and around the perimeter. So And I, and I think when you look at, like Trent Pierce, you know, like there's rumors that he's he's you know still kind of growing. He's six nine, maybe he can get to six ten. And if you have a six ten, like four man, and like Aiden Shaw's on the wing, and he's six eight, uh, like that's a lot of rim protection on defense. So I mean, you don't necessarily need a seven foot center. You could get away with, I mean somebody like Kobe Brown playing the five, somebody like Noah Carter playing the five, somebody like Michaela Bridge playing the five. I'm working on a scouting, you know, sort of profile of, of Trent. And, you know, he told me they pitched him basically on being kind of a hybrid four guy who may guard the post and switches. So his job will be to play with length, you know, not jostle, but if he gets switched, like if it's a pin down and he gets switched onto a guy, wall up, use position, use his length. And just, you know, make that, you know, finishing angle tough. But he's a kid, like, if you watch, you know, when we talked about Trinetri committed, legitimately can play out on the perimeter defensively. But he's a guy that I think, as you just sort of alluded to, there's flexibility there. Where if normally, you know, coaches worry about a, guard, a big little switch situation, well, you don't have to with Trent. There's size there. And as he puts on some, you know, strength, he can at least maybe hold a little bit of position there you know, off a first move or a guy trying to put a first shoulder into him. So there's some flexibility there. I think, you know, Parker's a guy who, you know, maybe the handle and decision-making has to improve a little bit, but you put him and, you know, Anthony Robinson out front, those are two hyper-athletic guys who can apply real heavy ball pressure, and that helps you on post-defense because where's where's post-defense start, coach? Where does it start? Starts on the perimeter. Like it doesn't matter we, if the guy's got so, post position if you can't get the ball into him. Like one of the, the so the uh th- most of my playing days. Let me actually get this thought out. Um, I like I've I'm a man to man guy. I've always been man to man. Uh, I don't mind coaches that play some zone. I think you know. I think I can't stand watching Syracuse and that stupid two, three zone, like nothing but two, three zone. It's, it's dumb. But I do think like if you're, you know, being able to switch defenses is, is fine. But if you give me a team, I want high pressure man to man defense. I want to put pressure uh, on the passing lanes and the, the best way to put pressure on the passing lanes. Uh, and that includes wing entries into the posts. Um, you know, is basically like getting up under somebody and taking away their feet, taking away their, you know, their comfort. Uh, you know, very few players 
make sound passes, uh, you know, when they don't have good position and, uh, and angles. And so that's what you try to do as a defense is take those angles away. So that's where I think it starts for you. Those two on the perimeter, you've got a guy like Aiden Shaw who can, you know, whether he's low, whether he's helping down, whether he's stunting, just having that sort of insurance as a rotational piece is there. Trent Pierce is really, really sound. Like, I don't think he's the same kind of athlete that Aiden is, but I think he I does think a lot. I very of... many people who are the same kind no, of athlete. No, no, but people are going to look at them and say, oh, you got two freaks who are long sort of three, four guys. If you watch Trent play, I think he's more of a guy who's going to just be sound for you, in, whether he's isolated on a guard or he's got a you know, guard a spot. I think he just he does a lot of the things that don't wind up on highlight types, but he's a really, really good defender within that team concept. And that gives Aiden the license to go help aggressively. And then if you've got a big like Butler down there who's who can, you know, sort of who is maybe skinny up from the waist up, but has a good base and can jostle and, you know, sort of make it tough to get deep position, but then play with his length and wall up. And then you've got Shaw rotating. Things get tough there. And if you can have some stuff where Shaw can switch out and, and you know, guard post for a little bit. You've got Pierce who can do the same. There's a lot of flexibility there. So I think that you know, having Parker, though, as a potential guy out on the perimeter gives you the length and the athleticism to keep that ball pressure steady out front and really let the guys behind do what they do best. So to me, Parker would be the pick in that sense. Now, Rich plays at a school where you know East St. Louis is aggressive on the ball. They will press. They'll run 2-2-1. Two, two, they'll run 2. They'll do run and jump press. But just the size, you know, I think he's probably 6'5". He looks proportional in terms of length, but maybe doesn't have quite the same wingspan as maybe like a Parker or a Robinson or the guys that are going to be on, you know, that we've seen at Florida State. I think he's going to play with the determination, the physicality that you want. But is it the same kind of vein as Parker? I'm not sure it's there. So that's where I think my sort of preference skews a little bit. So... I know people are probably, their eyes are glazing over there, but that that's sort of, I think, the trade-offs you're making at this point. All these guys are, have their certain upsides here, and I think that's the nice part about, you know, the, the names that are still out there is you can, you know, make different cases for them. But to me, Parker and Butler fit with what this team wants to do defensively. And everything I've heard from folks about Gates is, you know, he's, don't forget that he's a defensive guy first. That's what he loved to do at Cal. That's what he loved to do when he was, at Nevada, just, you know, at one of his associate HC jobs, he loved planning how to shut teams down defensively. This team, I think, fits with what he wants to do if he gets Parker and Butler. So those, I think those are the two. Just setting aside the composite rating, they just fit stylistically with what I think this team wants to do moving forward with him sort of in charge or with him in charge. So you know who uh, Michaela Bridge kind of reminds me a lot of? Um, and maybe a guy that doesn't quite have uh, the guard skills yet, but his his overall size um, sort of lines up, and that's Raekwon Gray. Yeah. Um, if you watch a lot of Florida State, and really if you remember Florida State when they were kicking the crap out of uh, <laughs> Missouri. Um, Just waves like of you, really tough dudes. Yeah, like you, whatever you, Missouri wanted to do. You might remember, like, Raekwon Gray was a guy who was really an unheralded recruit. Um, 
a lot like Michaela Bridge is. And he was a guy who was just so physically imposing that he could just get to his spots and be, be effective. Um, so, I mean, he was listed. I just pulled up the Kim Pom page. I was going to see how big he was, uh, six, eight, two sixty. Um, you know, and I don't, I don't necessarily think that, uh, like he, he had a little bit of chub to him. Yeah. uh, Which I don't really see that with, with rich, but rich sort of has that same kind of physical, imposing like i'm gonna get to my spots and that's gonna make me effective uh and you're not gonna be able to stop me from getting to my spots because i'm i'm that strong and that that's to me like if you're looking for a good florida state comparison uh he's he's a guy that i think sort of fits that mold of you know maybe you're used to uh you know florida state with like just everybody's long and lean and you know look like they're marathon runners and you know just arms for days and and Raekwon Gray really wasn't that guy he was just he was just a damn good basketball player uh and and I could see as as McCaleb kind of develops his skill sets a little bit more kind of taking on a little bit of that role where you know you can still kind of pitch him the ball in the wing and have him go make a play if, if he's in ISO because What's going to happen is he's going to be able to overwhelm the, the, the defender with his strength. Um, he's already just so so strong. I think he could play college basketball, you know, tomorrow. Yeah, you could you could put him on camp. I saw him, I saw him live. I think in the winter. No, I saw him last June when they were playing 16U, when he was still with Brad Beal Elite, and they were up in an event in Chicago. That kid could have, barely 16, could have been on Missouri's roster. That's how physically developed he is. Looks like a college kid walking in the gym right now. Um, so he's he's ready to go. But you can see why Kansas State likes him because you know, who you know who did they have at Baylor these past couple of years? Mark Vital, Mario Kegler, Mark. You know they've got all kinds of you know Macy Mar- Vital's another good comp. Like you know just athletic, kind of undersized. But can give you that three four imposing. blur, yeah. Six five two thirty, plays you know, his ass uh, off. Yeah, yeah. So you see why he appeals to, you know, Jerome Tang, is that he's got familiarity with that type of player. So I think he can work, you know, and by all accounts, you know, at least you know scouts with you know on three and two four seven have said that they expect, you know, to see Rich move into the top. 150 of their rankings which would mean he'd probably be a composite top 150 guy uh you know he's had a, a really really nice spring he had a really really good you know june a lot like christian jones at a year ago went up to some team camps in illinois put it together well there had a really really good week at elite 32 an independent event in georgia and you know his stock has just taken off um i've and i have to remember you know i've watched you include East St. Louis games with him as a sophomore, if you include him with BBE and even in the special, I've probably watched him play 30 or 35 games. You know, there's, I've seen the evolution and what he's done, you know, going from just a guy who all he did was dunk. Like that's a cliche, but it's also the truth where he's adding components. He's getting better. You know, it hasn't been like an aha moment. It hasn't been with a snap of the fingers, but there's been progress there. And, you know, you look at what Kansas State 
You know, you look at what Baylor did with those kind of undersized bully ball type of guard forwards. You look at a Raekwon Gray at Florida State. These staffs have shown they can turn those guys into productive members of good teams. So if they take Rich, you know, I think you look at the 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 background of the staff and you say, okay, you know, we've seen them do this. This is the kid they're going to try it with here. So um, I just think from a positional fit perspective, Parker kind of, I think, fills out the array a little bit better. But, you know, there's a case to be made that they could turn Rich into a really, really nice piece of the, on this roster for who's a three, four-year guy for this team. So um, we'll see what they do and, and what's available to them over the next couple of weeks. Uh, you want to talk 24 a little bit? We can. Um, I've got a... I will confess I haven't gotten into the film much at all with that group. Um, that will have to happen probably. That's okay. Nobody cares about film, man. If it's all about where they're ranked in the recruiting rankings, that's all that matters. Ugh, too many clipping <laughs> sessions for me. Um, so I just, I, yeah, I mean we're we're already at like forty minutes almost. So uh, we'll, we'll be, you know, we'll be quick with the twenty fours. Um, because there is, there is some some movement here. There is. And we talked about the 23 classes kind of being, you know, a preamble class. Now, if they land Butler and Parker, as we just said, and they get a top 15 group, hell, that's not a preamble. That, that said, then it's one of the best classes they've landed in a decade. It really ups the ante in 24. And if you look at you know, what Missouri's done, they've probably offered 20 of the top 80 kids in the composite they have absolutely just blown the last staff out of the water in terms of offers. You know, it was notable if, if Conzo's staff was at 18 or 20 by this time in a cycle. Dennis and crew are at 40, 40 offers already. And yeah. that's not including, you know, going out to see guys during open gyms in fall. That's not including, you know, sleepers who emerge next spring. This thing could get to 50 or 60 kids. And then but you're in like Buzz Williams territory. You are. You are. It's <laughs> just the reason why I'm hesitant to get into film here is there's just so many bodies. And so you want to see guys. You kind of want to see what the pecking order is emerging. And to piggyback off your earlier point, that's why these official visits are, are sort of telling because it sort of sets out who are the priority guys at this point in the cycle. And there, there's some really, really good ones. Um, right now they have three guys set to visit on October 1st. One is an unranked kid out of a uh, Harriman, Tennessee runs with Brad Beal elite six, seven, one ninety forward Jordan McCollum. Um, I would imagine, you know, when the rankings expand this fall, he'll be a guy that moves into the top one fifty. Um, he's set to visit on October 1st. One that is going to be really, really interesting is Dallas Thomas, a six, seven, one seventy forward string bean of a kid out of little rock arkansas plays at parkview there go patriots uh, runs with brad beal elite he is a consensus probably top 50 prospect top 40 prospect right now and the rankings are just starting to like go through their first initial rounds he's set to visit on october 1st and then um a kid that i'm really we'll see what happens here because illinois is considered to be a favorite there he said north carolina is a dream school but James Brown, a 6'9", 210, big man out of Chicago, Illinois, runs, plays at St. Rita um, and runs with Mean Streets. Um, he is set to visit on October 1st. So 
that's three guys visiting two that are probably at least consensus top 50 guys and one that should be a top um 150 player that are coming into town um and then there's the possibility that they might be able to get a kid like um ryan jones a top you know at least i'm looking here rivals and on three are a little bit lower on him but he's probably right now at consensus top 30 kid out of gainesville florida plays at the rock school uh down there he may take an official visit or said he's interested in taking an official visit and then marcus allen a kid that uh, the staff watched run with florida rebels he's out of the miami area he is a another top 50 level kid he has said he is potentially interested in visiting so that is five names um four or five that are potentially top 50 level oh and i forgot Jaden williams another kid out of atlanta who runs with the atlanta celtics may be on the board there so if I'm rambled through that, that is four to five top 50 kids that are uh, looking at or will visit uh, Missouri at this point. So uh, th- they're getting they're getting to work in 24, Sam. The board is uh, is expanded. There's also uh, uh, no juice in Drusitis. I'm probably horribly mispronouncing that name. No use. Sort of like, yeah. Yeah, top he was seventy. A, yeah, he's having a really, really nice sort of Euro camp uh U seventeen Phoebe Euro tournament with Lithuania. He's running with them. He's Lithuanian. His parents are Lithuanian, so he's having a really, really nice uh tournament over there right now. He can shoot the crap out of the ball. Um and, and he's a high school teammate at James Brown. Yep. Um but the Dallas Thomas recruitment's gonna be interesting. Uh they are trying to not only reach into Arkansas, where Muss has built a pretty sturdy fence right now. They are going into Parkview, which is coached by uh, none other than Scotty Thurman of uh, Arkansas lore. And uh, yeah, it's it that if I, it's just going to be crazy if they are getting into a battle with you know those sorts of players involved there. Um, but hey, well, yeah, and not not just those sorts of players, but you know some of the Arkansas NIL money is Arkansas is serious. JB Hunt, that JB Hunt truck, baby, that JB Hunt truck, uh, potentially making delivery. So, um, but hey, if you get a kid on campus, that that's that's progress to to be there and to sort of be there at this stage is always a positive. And I think the bigger deal here is that you know. We're looking at, you know, people had sort of talked about this staff not doing a lot locally. Well, Jordan McCollum and Dallas Thomas are Brad Beal elite players. Are they from Missouri? No, but they run with a Missouri-based program. You know, you look at CY, you know, using his connections in Florida and his history down there in Florida with two guys, and even to Georgia with Georgia and the Atlanta area with Jaden Williams. And, you know, we had talked about, you know, was Kyle Smith-Peters going to be a guy who's going to need some time to acclimate as a recruiter. Well, he's the one who's offered McCollum. He's the one who's offered Dallas Thomas. He's the one who's offered James Brown. He's the one who watches mean streets when, you know, they're out on the road at live period. So I guess what you want to see happen, there are inklings that that's taking place. Will they get these guys as a guaranteed? I don't know. There's more than a year to go in their recruitments, but, you know, if, if these are the top six to seven guys and you're already getting them on campus and they're already showing interest and they're already talking about how, the great relationship they've built with the staff, 
that's that's a good that's a good indicator right now um we'll see what happens but um it you know the next six to eight weeks could be really really nice for missouri as far as finishing out a quality 23 class and really setting themselves up for a a dynamite 2024 and really like if you're if you're dallas thomas and i'm thinking that uh that the the Brinks truck would have to be pretty huge uh, for me to have to hang out with Eric Musselman. Uh, when in in exchange, I could hang out with with Cy, who um, I've kind of joked a little bit in our Slack channel. Like I feel like Dennis Gates is is kind of a little bit nerdy. Like I feel like we would sit down with him and we would get really really nerdy about about basketball. But if you're talking about like who you just want to like hang and chill and just like like have a drink with man, like CY is that guy. <laughs> like he's like, I, I'm just saying Eric Musselman is not that guy. Uh, he's certainly well, proving himself as a coach. Yeah. The, those, those, those Briggs trucks are helping. Um, <sighs> but, uh, yeah, like, let, let let's 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 see if if uh, we can work some magic and 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 pull somebody out of Arkansas. I will be shocked because you know, and, and I, I'll always kind of go back to um, one of the, the kids only leave that, Arkansas to go to Kentucky, right? And that, I think one of the you know one of the advantages that um, that Arkansas has is is Arkansas kids grow up like rooting for Arkansas. Uh, that doesn't yeah. happen in Missouri as much. Like maybe Central Ar- Missouri, Arkansas and, is the know, inverse of what Missouri is. Like there is no Missouri- show me mentality there at times. Right. I mean, there's no professional uh, teams in Arkansas, so like you're 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 stuck. Um, you know, and not you know not necessarily the NBA, but uh, you know, like for a lot of years there were two NFL teams in in Missouri, and and so like that was a thing. You develop those you know, those passions. And that's just, it's a lot tougher to kind of overcome, uh, you know, and then Missouri kind of being, um, you know, up and down and, and on the football side, it, it makes it more difficult to sort of state your claim as, as like the state school for, um, you know, for that sport. I think it's been a challenge to kind of get Missouri kids, um, you know, and, and Kansas city kids to, to be like, you know, if you're growing up in Kansas City, even if you're on the Missouri side, I mean, it's Kansas everywhere. So yeah, like that—that's the the fight they have. Where you know Arkansas, and you're right. Like if elite kids that have an option to you know maybe go to like Kentucky or to go to Duke or something like that, you know they're going to listen to those schools. But Missouri is not that. So it'll be interesting to kind of see like you know Dallas Thomas is kind of that kid that that not quite five-star kid, but like top 50 kid right now. Um, Arkansas has had a lot of success landing those, those kind of kids. dudes. Um, yeah. Who was the kid that went that, to Florida? Uh, Kevon Allen. And even, even he, like he was ready to go to Arkansas, but he wasn't going to commit to Arkansas because they took another guard. Yeah. I can't remember who they uh, took, but I'm, yeah, I'm trying to remember who it was. I can remember that cycle. I think it was a. It may have been a Parker kid. I'm just. It may have been Anton Beard. Maybe I think. That's yeah, I think. I think it was Beard. Yeah, I think you're right. And Anton Beard, Parkview kid. Like, <laughs> Park Parkview is like if 
I'll disclose. I worked for the Arkansas Democrat Gazette, covered preps there, covered UALR, covered Arkansas State. Man, the influence of Nolan in that city, at like Hall and at Parkview, is, is deep. I mean, it's, you know, I, I think it's, you know, a guy like IJ Reddy, and there's some other guys who are like just outside. Like, basically, I think you have to be outside the top 80 or outside the top 100. And sometimes those kids will get out because Arkansas will take a kid that's higher rated at their position. But, I mean, I can name the kids that have been highly rated out of Arkansas that have left in the last decade. Um, Monk, Allen, Goodwin, Ware. And three of those guys, two of those guys went to Kentucky, one went to Florida, and Ware went to Oregon, which Nike, NIL, money, all that kind of stuff as well. So that's it. Like, last fall, they thought Nick Smith was going to go to Alabama. That's what it looked like. They got him on campus. They pushed. There was that state behind it. He said recommitted. He could feel the energy of that entire state pushing him to stay home. And that's not that's not overstated. Those folks, you know, are, are about it and they believe and you know that every kid that grows up in Arkansas should stay home. And they will and it's not quite a, a blood feud when a kid leaves, but it's hard. And you know, if if Dallas Thomas is a guy that is of that caliber where he's gonna be a top thirty, top forty guy, he plays in a way that kind of fits with what Musk wants to do. His coach is a guy who won a national title at Arkansas. It's just hard. It, it's just, and, you know, he's at a place, you know, that has sent guys to to Fayetteville consistently. It's just, it's it's an uphill sled, but you got to start somewhere, and they're going to try and get that opportunity to, to put themselves in the mix on October 1. So, again, we'll see what happens, but, man, Thomas is just sort of a fun battle to watch happen, if you know sort of the history of what, life is like in Arkansas and what sort of the, the culture is like down there. But we'll we'll see if, if you know this staff can pry him out. Well I think we should uh we should probably wrap that up. Um you know me, I like to keep it under an hour. Uh so that's a lot of recruiting talk. And as uh as things sort of progress over the next probably couple weeks, hopefully, like we'll get some more uh news knock loose then we'll be back in a couple weeks we can kind of talk about a lot of that um is there anything else that you wanted to hit on before we get out of here uh no just that you know if some of these recruitments don't go the way they want people may talk about backup plans and just a reminder i told sam this before uh we went on air there are are basically 40 guys in the composite who have not committed or cut their list yet you know, there's, and Missouri has uh, offers out to about five or six of them, but realistically, it's Butler and Parker. You know, it, it's hard, it's almost impossible, nigh impossible to get in and, and really pivot at this kind of late stage in the game. So, this is, this is what the board looks like, you know, right now. There are three Juco guys that they offered in June, but. Those guys are all going to be going to their second year to JUCO. You know, those feel like guys you would take in the spring if they have good years. Um, so this is what the board is right now. Um, 
if if you're asking what plan B and plan C is at this point, and guys are coming off at this juncture. Transfer so. portal is the is that's the new <laughs> that's it. Yeah. So um yeah, we, we've given you all the names we've got at this point in 23, and, and and see who gets fired. Like maintaining relationships, see who gets fired. Like recruiting that's... kids so you can get them in the portal. Yep. Well, that's all I got. Well, all right. Uh, so again, we'll take a couple weeks off, um, and we'll we'll come back and 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 do this all again. Uh, make sure that you're subscribed so you get that podcast when it is ready to go. Right down uh, in Apple Podcasts or Google Play Store, wherever you listen to your podcast. I believe we're also on Spotify these days. Uh, you'll also get those fantastic episodes before the box score, which are uh, beaming directly to your mobile device. Uh, Matt, these days, once a week, once a week, you get the the dual tones of of Nate G. Edwards and Brandon B. K. Kylie uh, right to your phone. Um, head over to the flagship rockamnation.com. You'll read everything that Matt writes about, everything that I write about, um, and much, much more as we gear up for this uh, this football season. Um, football's about to start happening. How about that? Um, Make sure you also do the Twitter thing. Like I said earlier, follow Matt at MattJHarris85. You can follow me at Sam T. Snelling. Uh, and so until uh, next time, two weeks, episode two, we'll be here. Uh, thanks for tuning in, everybody. Bye.